We're talking money, but without the filters. It's the one thing that none of us can escape, but that we still can't talk about without cringing. I'm Victoria, millennial financial advisor. And I'm Ellie, money coach and founder of This Girl Talks Money. Each week, we'll be having a no-holds-barred conversation about real-life money. Nothing's off limits here, so grab yourself a coffee or a cheeky glass of wine and settle on in. Hello, hello. We're back today with another conversation all about money for you. And this one is a 10 out of 10. We're talking to the lovely Laura Bell, who after a 20 year career with one of the world's largest banks has launched Savvy Peacocks, a financial coaching business for families to break down the taboo subject of money within the home. Laura knows exactly what she's talking about. And she's also a co-parenting mother to three children and a one-year-old puppy. So let's get into the conversation. Hi, Laura. Hi. Love to see you. Thank you so much for coming on today. We're really, really excited to talk to you about all things new parenthood. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm so pleased to be with you lovely ladies. Well, we are very excited to talk to you too. So pleased to be with you. And... We have a hypothetical dilemma on our hands, or I have a hypothetical dilemma on my hands. The scenario is I am pregnant and have seven months to get my shit together, and I have no clue whatsoever what I'm doing with my finances. And I know that you are just the person to help. So diving straight in, first question is, where on earth do I start and what are the first things to think about? Okay, well, before we do that, let's just make sure we're clear. This is a hypothetical question. Unless either of you ladies want to fess up now as to who's seven months pregnant and needs to get their finances in order, you know, say now. I can safely say that it is not me. (laughs) Would it be the Immaculate Conception, Ellie? (laughs) Quite possibly, and a wedding to pay for in the imminent future. (laughs) So Vic, this is definitely a hypothetical question, yeah? Definitely a hypothetical question, yes. Okay, fine. Right, so let's get stuck in. Now, I think it's so cool that you you girls are asking this question because so often when we fall pregnant, we get caught up in the whole dream of, oh, I'm starting a family. I'm going to have a little mini me. Um, you know, and we get all excited about that stuff and we forget about the financial stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you ladies would be able to verify this as well, that people don't think about the finances. Very rarely do they think about finances when they're pregnant, which is just crazy because children cost a lot of money. But the reason they don't is because it removes the romance from it all and that whole dream of dreams come true. Um, So, you know, I think it's really important that you're bringing this subject up because there is lots to talk about. So first and foremost, I would say having an open money conversation with your partner, so baby daddy, um you know what what's the situation how does he foresee or she you know your partner how do they see things playing out when you've got things like maternity coming up you're going to have large childcare expenses potentially there's the baby expenses there's the monthly ongoing costs so opening up that conversation around those those baby costs but then also i think it's really important at that point to talk about financial independence and how you're going to make sure that you 
um, continue in the same vein that you've done previously and that it doesn't turn out that one of you feels the lesser party from a financial point of view, um, particularly when it comes to things like continuing adding into pensions and making sure that we're safeguarding ourselves from an independent point of view, because this is the point where let's face it, most women end up being dependent instead of independent. Um, so I think that part of it, that whole money conversation is really important. And it's difficult to do. And it, there's some tried and tested methods that, that I've shared in my own podcast around this, because that for me is the first stage of this, having that open conversation. And then you can go into, okay, so this baby comes along, we're going to, one of us or both of us are going to need some time to look after them whilst they're still young. Um, and again, something a bit controversial that's not talked about is that whole shared maternity leave that's available these days. You know, it also often falls onto the mother's shoulders to take six to nine months to 12 months off work. And actually, um, you know, every company has to legally allow that shared, shared maternity leave now. So potentially you could do six months mum, six months dad. There's no problem with that, you know, weighing up what makes financial sense, looking at your earning potential now, but also what it looks like in the future. Because if mum takes a year out of work, that might then have an impact on her earning potential in the future. Whereas if she just took six months and you did six months, then it might have less of an impact on your earning potential in the future. So opening up these kind of conversations, I think, is the first place to start. Would you feel comfortable having those conversations, ladies? Luckily, I think I am fortunate enough to be in a position where I do have a very, very open dialogue with my partner and I do practice what I preach on this topic. So we're very clear about those conversations and we talk about in the future what it might look like when we do think about having a family how we could potentially split that, especially with the added extra of the fact that I work for myself, which is a whole nother ball game in there. Um, but I think it is such a difficult topic to talk about because not only do lots of people not want to even talk about the prospect of having children, but children and money, it's a lot for a lot of relationships but it, as you said it's so important yeah it's choosing the right time though isn't it and talking about all of the other stuff underlining the money there's no point jumping straight into the pounds and pence it's talking about like what that truly means and how that will feel and all those you know those those things underneath the pounds and the pence so that you've actually got a true meaning to it because I think it's the pounds and the pence bit that often scares people in that conversation and you know it's really it's quite tempting to get caught up in the idea of having a year off work and it sounds really exciting and idealistic. It's not, by the way, I've done it three times, um, you know, but, you know, having that time to spare with your bundle, you know, to spend with your new bundle of joy, but it does have a financial impact doing that, not only to your in finances now, but your, your potential finances for the future as well. And on that point, you say they do have a financial impact and that's kind of what we're talking about. People do say a lot about the idea of being able to afford kids. When do we know we can afford kids? Is there actually a point where you can afford kids or is it a myth, this affording children? I think it's a myth to some extent because I think 
if if everybody waited until they could afford to have kids, there wouldn't be any children <laughs> being born into this world. Um, and let's face it, with the recent pandemic, there's probably going to be a massive baby boom where we've all been in home and not been entertained by um, by other activities that were open up previously. But the, the stats are that children cost around £100,000 per child to, to pay for their sort of mediocre expenses. And that's not withholding, you know, if you want to send them to a private school or if you want to get the top of the range travel system and all that malarkey, you know, your basic is your 100,000 for the for the 18 years of their life. And the other thing is, of course, I'm sure you ladies know this, is that children don't just stop costing money the minute they turn 18. I still cost, I still cost my parents money and I'm 38 years old. A child is for life, not just for Christmas. So, you know, it, yes, it's 100,000 for that first 18 years, but, you know, it doesn't just turn off the minute they turn 18. So, you know, it is a commitment. It is a big, big, big commitment. But I, I think if you sit waiting, I can't afford children, then I, I don't think you'd ever have a child because you just get scared when you start looking at the numbers. And most people find a way, they find a balance. We've all got independent circumstances we've all got different approaches to things and so therefore we all approach this in a different way we have to do what fits right for us fits in with our values fits in with our, our support network around us to to make it work I totally um appreciate what you say I see it in in work clients at very different income levels who equally think that they can't afford kids and yet they're a million miles away. So I, I know what you're saying, that we'd never have any kids if we if we uh, had to feel like we can afford it. But I think what's really interesting, what you said, and it's totally right, is that we're probably going to see another real baby boom after the, the pandemic. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of people suffering financially, losing jobs, changing jobs, stagnated pay increases. And I just wonder whether you have any advice for people who perhaps are expecting but don't necessarily have a stable income or feel that their income is secure what support is available for them yeah I mean that's that's a tough one I think it's important that you you know what's available to you through the government first of all so as a parent um, everybody should be fully aware of how to sign on through the government gateway and find out what they're entitled to based on your circumstances but I'm sure you you and I both know that what support is available is barely scratches the surface of what a child really costs. So I think what you can do is be quite savvy when you are expecting a child to think, okay, how can I reduce my expenses? Thinking about, you know, realistically in that baby phase, do they really need 20 different outfits? No, they don't. They need five baby grows and you can wash them and maybe there's a poo explosion and you need to throw that one away fine you've got four left like it's it's being realistic and savvy with not getting caught up in the you know the the dream as I've said before around having a family and when when people are offering to buy things for you which they will when you're pregnant and you you start having a family and, and the baby comes along you know, being bold and saying to them, actually, however much I'd love that little pink outfit that you're thinking of buying, Tilly, I actually really need such and such. So that you're being clear with, you know, if people are going to buy you gifts, aren't, then they'd be bold and ask for the things that you really need rather than just, 
you know, accepting and trying to be British and polite and say, you know, thanks very much. <laughs> I, th I think it, there's, there's that whole, there's that whole element to, to consider. And then if you're somebody that maybe is um, self-employed and therefore your income isn't as stable as um, maybe if you were fully employed, thinking in advance, like what ways in which can you create multiple different income streams so that you're not just reliant on one income stream? What are your options? What are your choice to create a little bit of money whilst you're, whilst you're enjoying those inaugural few years of, of having a baby so that you're, you're not just reliant on that, that one stream that you've always been reliant on? That makes so much sense. And actually, it's something that I hadn't really thought about how useful multiple income streams can be at that point and you mentioned it there but there's so much money that you could spend in preparation for a little one but a lot of the time it's not necessary are there things that you think it really is worth spending the money on when you are having a baby or when you've got a little one is there anything that we can definitely cut back on and not splash out on? Okay, so I can tell you that I think this is um, something that all second, third, fourth time mums will tell you, but the first time mums wish they'd known about, but don't ever do. And that is actually secondhand is okay, where possible with most things that a baby needs. There's a few things that you'd want to buy brand new, you know, things like dummies and bottles that you'd want to make sure they're new because obviously you know you don't want to put your child in a risk of bacteria and stuff like that and car seats is something that you definitely need to buy brand new because you need to know it's not been in a car accident everything else you can get secondhand or gifted to you so talk to your friends and family that have had children you know I I haven't had a baby now for three years he's just turned three I've still got the travel system in the garage that I've used for all three children it's practically good as new because they don't get used um, you know they don't get damaged that badly so if you had a baby tomorrow Ellie I'd give you my travel system and that's you sorted, you know? So, you know, you need to know who's got what around you. You just don't know what they've got in their garage. Do that before you go out buying things because, you know, otherwise you can get caught up in spending a hell of a lot of money. And, and I've used that example with the travel system because they're expensive. They're like 800 to a thousand pounds. It's a lot of money. And, you know, fair enough. I had, I bought an expense, well, I didn't buy an expensive one. My, my father bought me an expensive one, knowing though that I wanted to have lots of children quickly close together, which I did. I had three and three and a half years. So I got my money's worth of that travel system. I used it for every single child for five years solid. And it's it's well had its, its money's worth. So, you know, in that instance, it was worthwhile. But of course, I didn't know if I was going to have number two child, number three child, whether that was going to happen for me. So it, it's balancing, balancing it out, I think. But definitely talking to friends and family, looking on like Facebook marketplace and things like that, because people are always looking to clear out those baby things, which Again, is another point, actually, you know, a, a big tip from me is as you use things and you go through the different phases, you know, with um, you girls won't know this, but with babies, they go through um, the ages are really quick on the size of the clothing. So as soon as you finish the three to six months, bundle those up, hand them out to other people, sell them on Facebook Marketplace, whatever it is you need to do, get them out of your space because they're easy to replace again when the next child comes along. So it's, it's little things like that, I think, that's, um, I believe in 
you know, what you give out will come back. So I think that's a good little hint and tip. Yeah, I love that. I think that makes so much sense. I remember when my sister had had her two, I think the baby grows were sat there until they were about five, six years old doing nothing <laughs> um, until we had another one to pass them on to. So it does make a lot of sense. And I think the thing is, especially with our generation, things are financially difficult. We will have to do that. We will have to swap and share and recycle and, and gift everything because I can't imagine we're going to be able to afford to do all the bells and whistles if we do and if we're anything like you and we do three kids in three and a half years <laughs> but do you know what I love is that I I had a child and then my brother's partner had a child so I handed that to, and then they they've come back to me and then I've got so we've literally got all the cousins have got the set the same pictures in their cute little outfits and so it's you know it's stuff like that you can't put a price on totally I mean that is real sentimental value I love yeah. that yeah yeah I love it. Um, another question that was on my mind in my hypothetical scenario is <laughs> what ad- what additional challenges would I need to think about if I was a single parent? I mean, clearly things are going to be much more difficult in every sense, but particularly financially, is there any sort of any tips you have for single parents trying to prepare financially for the big the big thing of a of a newborn? So first of all, I think there's a piece here around terminology. I don't believe in using the word single parent unless you truly are a single parent. So you've got pregnant on a one night stand. Dad's nowhere to be seen or he's, you know, he's 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 ran off or vice versa. It could be either way. So um, that is single parenting. But aside from those instances, if you've had a child with someone else, you're actually co-parenting and therefore you're both jointly responsible. It takes two to tango. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that, that using those words of co-parenting, whatever that sets set up looks like, you know, if it is just one night a week can make a massive difference. So it's, it's building in a plan to have that co-parenting plan in place. And of course, if you are truly single parenting, then the best thing you can do is find a support network, friends, family, baby groups. You'll probably meet your closest friends from having children because you're all in the same boat and then you will find people that you naturally gravitate to and you have more in common with. Um, It goes without saying that CSA is a legal requirement. So obviously that system is available for you to be able to go on, calculate the um, payment that you should be getting, and then you can follow that process through. So it's automatically taken from the father's um, salary. And again, that government gateway is a great way to get that support based on what you're entitled to and and things like that. So, yeah, there's a few bits there. But for me, the main thing is this whole co-parenting thing. I, I really hate the thought of a mother let's face it is a mother that feels that they are a single parent and they're in it on themselves and and I've done it you know I'm divorced now and I've caught myself sometimes saying oh I'm a single parent and then I have to remind myself I'm really not I'm co-parenting he sees the children regularly he contributes to their living expenses regularly and is still part of their life and is still jointly responsible for them and their well-being it takes two to tango that's so true and again it's really made me reflect on my own parents and the way that I refer to and think about my mum who mostly raised me herself but my father was around and about um but actually do you think that one of the reasons why 
co-parenting is preferable rather than single or solo parenting is because it does put some of that responsibility on the father as well. Of course it does. Yeah. I mean, and also it's got to, they, you know, it's not just, just because I think what happens is because the mother carries the baby and that's, you know, a big bonding period of time. It is straight away is a burden on them and their body and their lifestyle. And that continues. And they've got to go through the childbirth and everything like that, that it's not really very real for the father until that actual baby comes along. And it's very easy for them to then not be involved if they don't want to, because men can't breastfeed and um, they seem to not be able to hear babies cry at night. So, you know, I think that's where it comes. That's kind of where it stems from. And so there's a piece here, not only for single parents or parents that have split up, but also parents that have stayed together as well. You've got to have a co-parenting plan from day one. This is a joint responsibility. So if I'm going to sit up at night feeding the baby, once they're fed, I'm handing them to you to change their nappy and get them back to sleep because we are joint parents. We're doing this together. And uh, that's the biggest, biggest thing that I would ever say to a client is because, you know, you are jointly responsible not just you know it's not just all on your shoulders I think that's I honestly that makes so much sense to me and I think the overwhelming sort of point is you just have to understand what your situation is and make a plan and be prepared whether it is co-parenting whether you are truly a single parent or whether you are with the partner of your child and you truly feel that you're doing it under you know under one roof so for people who are in this position they are they've got a baby on the way or they're thinking about starting a family and they want to get themselves prepared but really just perhaps they're the first of their of their friends or they just don't really know where to start and how to get themselves ready where can they go to look and find some some guidance well um, I'm sure we've probably all heard of NCT um I do I endorse NCT? I mean, I went through NCT with my second child because I regretted not doing it with my first child, but that was more around friendship groups and stuff. And there was definitely no conversation about finances. So, uh, you know, there is a bit of a massive gap in the market here around where you can go to get financial support at that time in your life, because there isn't any kind of official board or anything like that. I think you can do some research around um, books and who's available on social media and things like that. Of course, that's a big part of my business is around educating parents, not only for themselves, but also to be able to hand that down to their future generations. So, you know, I'm sure there's a few podcasts out there. My my podcast, um, episode nine, is all around this very topic. So that's a great place to start. And then I think, you know, talking to other friends and family around you and getting lots of different perspectives around how they've done it, how they've managed it, what structure they've put in place, and then decide from there what you want to put in place for you. And and as Ali just said there, you know, don't just wing it, make a plan, make a co-parenting agreement, um, you know, and and work towards that as much as you possibly can, bearing in mind that um, children like to throw curveballs in. So you do have to be a little bit flexible. Yeah, I can only begin to imagine the curveballs that three little children can throw at you. Um, But you are doing some amazing work in this space. And you also mentioned your podcast there too. 
So tell us a little bit more about that and where anyone listening can find you. Okay, so my podcast is called Money Savvy Parents. And I don't just cover off this subject, but I cover off lots of different subjects around educating our children, our future generations um, around money and and financial education. And I I believe that it's important for parents to be as well prepared as they can be so that they can display those great money habits because I'm sure you you ladies know that money habits are generational and children decide on their relationship with money between age seven and nine. So it's really early doors. It's important that we're very careful with what we display to them and that we talk to them about money. And I'm very much on a mission to break down that taboo subject of money because for some reason, people are more comfortable talking about sex than they are talking about money, which is just crackers. So that's what that's my podcast and that's what that's all about um, and aside from that I run Savvy Peacocks which um, is an opportunity for you to have some one-to-one support and what we do is we look at like what's specific for you what two or three goals do you want to work towards and let's make a plan and take some steps forward and some actions and what areas of your life are impacting your financial situation so when I talk about financial education, I don't know if you ladies get this, is that people always think that it's just about the money and it's really not. I often talk to people about time and clarity and direction and motivation and inspiration. And, you know, I want to make my clients feel invincible, like they can tackle anything that comes their way. Um, So that's what I do within Savvy Peacocks. Amazing. Well, I'm sure everyone will be coming to listen if they are uh, at all thinking about having children and just getting on top of their their finances and their money situation. So thank you so, so much for coming on. It's been so good to talk to you. I've really learned a lot and already feel slightly more relaxed about my, my hypothetical dilemma. <laughs> you know where I am for babysitting, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> you can connect with Laura directly through Instagram at Savvy underscore Peacocks or on Facebook at Savvy Peacocks. And we'll be here next week with another fabulous guest, bringing you more unfiltered money conversations. Please share the podcast with family and friends, leave us a review, and definitely let us know who you'd like to hear from next. We love to hear from you.